listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This episode covers the life of Christ and the Gospel of Luke. You can enjoy more messages like this with the free Courage Matters app, available in your app store. If you'd like to request Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event, click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. How do you blow the doors off a boring walk with God? I want to talk today about how you can take your walk with God to a higher, deeper place that is much more fruitful than it would otherwise be. Did you know that your life can be more and more fruitful as you age? You should get better with age. Your life should be bearing more and more fruit. That's what I want to talk about today. And how I'm going to do it is I'm going to take us right into God's Word, Luke chapter 8. Dive with me into Luke chapter 8 and our Father's Word. Beginning in verse 4, I said before in our last time together that this is a transition. Chapter 8 in Luke's gospel is a transition. And here we're going to see another reason why it is a transition, because Jesus is changing his communication strategy. Jesus begins to communicate in a fundamentally different way than the way he's been communicating up to this point. He's been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons. He's been speaking very frankly very black and white, very purposefully. But now he seems to change his way of communicating at a strategic time. Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. He puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. 
Jesus had attracted such large crowds now. They had come from various towns, all different walks of life. The crowd is so large that even Jesus' own mother and brothers cannot get to him. Now, some people speculate that Jesus never had any brothers, but those who are not reading the Bible would come to that conclusion. I remember hearing somebody explain that the same word that's used for brothers could be used for uncles. Well, that's kind of convenient. Jesus did have brothers. He did have a family. He did have a mother with brothers. Mary had other children. It's not a problem. It's not diminishing the nature or character of Jesus by saying that he had brothers. If we read the scriptures, we don't have a problem. He was fully human as well as fully God. And so Jesus, being the master communicator, Word had gotten out about Jesus and people had come from all over the place. There are droves, so much so that as Jesus is teaching, his own mother can't even get to him. That's how big this crowd is from town after town. There's a melting pot that is now listening to Jesus. Jesus' words have had tremendous effect, tremendous impact upon people. And now it's time to perhaps begin whittling it down. Now it's time to perhaps begin to teach in a way that only those who are really hungry for the kingdom of God will really hear it. Only those who are really paying attention will catch what Jesus has to say. And so Jesus begins here to teach in parables, a word story, a picture, and he uses something that you and I are familiar with living here in York, Pennsylvania. He resorts to an agricultural story, an agricultural image. Now, techniques of planting and sowing have changed over the years today. It's much different than it was 2,000 years ago. See, I grew up not too far from here in New Jersey, and it was, there were rolling hills there. Yes, there were. I know that sounds contradictory, but there are rolling hills there. I grew up on a 26-acre farm. I remember years ago when I was a kid, I would see a lot of pheasant and a lot of grouse. When was the last time you saw a pheasant? When was the last time you saw a grouse? They're practically non-existent anymore because now through new techniques of quote-unquote technology and pesticides that have been introduced to yield higher crops, what's happened is there are holes punched in the fields. The fertilizer is placed on top of those fields. The seed is put into little holes. And then when the rains come, the fertilizer grows off of the fields into the valleys, into the areas where the grouse and the pheasant used to lay their eggs. And so what happened is the grouse and the pheasant eggs, the shells became soft. And if you know anything about farming, if you know anything about biology, when the shell of an egg gets soft, the protective outside, the shell that's designed by God to protect the embryo inside doesn't do its job anymore. And so the pheasant population the grouse population has dwindled and is nearly extinct because of new farming techniques, new ways of planting. See, the way it used to be done is not the way it's done today. Today, you till the ground up, or now they put these holes in the ground and they plant the seeds. It used to be that you would first scatter the seed. The sower would first scatter the seed. And then the ground would be tilled up. And so the jury would be out. You wouldn't know 
what kind of a crop you were going to get because you didn't know what was underneath the ground. You didn't know if it was rocky. You didn't know if there were thorn seeds also being mixed up. You just didn't know. And this is what was happening in Jesus' day. The seed would be thrown, then the ground would be tilled up, and then it would be the watch and wait time. Well, Jesus gives a parable here, a story that's very simple, so simple to understand that even the stink bugs can understand the word of God. (laughs) Verse four. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable strategically, purposefully, At this particular time, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and with it choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, pay attention. This is a story about listening. This is a story about bearing fruit. Some, some bear what Jesus says to be a hundredfold, a huge crop. There's a direct correlation between listening and bearing fruit. Jesus is talking about paying attention to the words that he's giving. You see, the whole crowd heard what Jesus said, but not the whole crowd heard what Jesus said. Jesus was teaching, explaining things to people. Only some people got it. Others didn't get it. And there are still today people who will hear the teachings of Jesus and yet not hear the teachings of Jesus. And the disciples pull Jesus aside, but they do it still in front of the crowd. The crowd is still there. There's no division between the disciples' discussion with Jesus and the rest of the crowd. There's no indication of that whatsoever. But the disciples go over to Jesus in front of this crowd and they ask him a question. Verse 9. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he, Jesus, said to you, to who? To those who are willing to draw near to Jesus and to ask for clarification. Are you the kind of a person who asks Jesus for clarification when things are happening in your life? When you're reading the Bible, are you asking God to open up your eyes to his truths? Because if you're not, then you're just somebody who's in the throngs of people, the masses of people who is merely hearing with your ears but not hearing with your heart. Only those who are willing to go deeper with God and to tug on him, to pursue him, to ask him for clarity, to ask him for insight into his word, to ask him for insight into what's happening in your life. When you do that, only those people are the ones who the kingdom of God is revealed to. Insight into what's happening in your life is really revealed. This is a parable, not just about sowing. Yes, it's about God's word going forth. It is a parable about hearing, listening. It's a parable about the kind of people who jive and thrive with God. Are you that kind of a person? Are you the kind of a person who can jive and thrive with God? Is your life yielding a hundredfold crop? Is there fruit in your life? If there's no fruit in your life, it's an indication. It is a reflection that you are not listening to Jesus. Now listen. It's one thing to listen with Jesus. It's another thing to absorb what Jesus is saying. I remember there was a time when I was counseling somebody. 
sitting there and talking with them, providing insight from the scriptures, from the word of God. And I went on for a while, as sometimes I have a tendency to do. Talking about the word of God, applying the word of God to this particular person's life and the problems and the difficulties that they were experiencing. And I went on for a good amount of time, longer than 10 minutes, because this person really needed to hear the truth of God's word. And do you know, after I spent all that time pouring in and pouring out the word of God, their response was to blame somebody else as if they weren't even in the same room with me as the word of God was being shared and taught as they were being counseled. And I literally looked at them and I said, did you just hear anything that I said? Were you paying attention to anything whatsoever from God's word? Because your response is absolutely flabbergasting. How can you hear the word of God and not hear it? And I literally said, I think you need to go and get your hearing checked. <laughs> Jesus quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9, says this. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables so that, quote, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Some people hear what God says, but they don't take it to heart. Some people hear with their ears, they don't hear with their mind, they don't hear with their heart, and that's why their lives don't bear any fruit. There's a direct correlation to your listening to Jesus, absorbing the teachings of Jesus. And the fruit that's produced in your life. There's a direct correlation. It's not a mystery. Jesus uses agricultural imagery to help us understand that there is a direct correlation between listening and bearing fruit. You do bring something to the table when it comes to responding to what Jesus is saying. Jesus is teaching right now. Jesus is spreading his word right now. But only some people bear what Jesus says to be a hundredfold. Some people, look at this, verse 11, the seed is the word of God. Some people have this kind of a response. The ones along the path are those who have heard. They've heard. Their ears were engaged in the process. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now some would take this to be a stance, and I'm not saying this disrespectfully, I'm saying this because it's true. Some would take this as an example of God predestining some to be damned, some to be condemned. Some people would be what we would call a hardcore Calvinist where they believe that God has made the choice for people and we have no choice whatsoever. And those people who come to that conclusion, I say this respectfully, I believe that they are confusing fatalism for Calvinism. Fatalism is not Calvinism. Calvin was not even a fatalist. I'm not even sure that Calvin was a Calvinist to the degree to which we today project Calvinism onto him. 
Calvin probably would be a good student of many of the Calvinists today sitting under their teaching and saying, wow, I really believe that? That's amazing. Tell me more. Now listen, I believe in the sovereignty of God, but you don't have to be a Calvinist to believe in the sovereignty of God. There are many who are very different in their theological persuasion who still believe in the sovereignty of God. This is not about Calvinism. This is not about fatalism. You might look at a passage of scripture like this and say, well, I can't affect it anyway. I guess that person's just given over to the devil anyway. I have no, maybe God hasn't chosen them. Maybe God hasn't elected them. Is there anything in the scriptures going in that direction here? No, the scriptures, the teachings of Jesus are not given to us to lull us into complacency. They are given to us to stir us to action. The reality here is that there is a person named the devil. He's also called Satan. And there is a war going on right now, a war for souls. The kingdom of God is advancing. And you are either part of taking back enemy ground, the devil's territory, by advancing the reputation, the name, the honor, the story of Jesus, or you're not doing very much at all. You haven't really been listening, absorbing the message, the teachings of Jesus. You're either advancing the kingdom of God or you're letting the enemy have his day. This is not a scripture to lull us into complacency. It is to wake us up, to make our eyes open wide, to help us understand and appreciate that there is a real creature called the devil. He is active in doing what? Opposing the plan and purpose of God. And he wants you to have your fingers stuck in your ear. He wants you to just merely hear the words of Jesus and just let them go in one ear and out the other. He wants you to be enamored at an academic level with the teachings of Jesus and let it go no further than just hearing about it. There are many people who are familiar with the words of of Jesus. They know what the Bible says and they're going to hell nonetheless. Merely hearing the words of Jesus never saved anybody. Absorbing the word of Jesus, listening at a heart level, listening deep down is what's going to make a difference in your life. That's what Jesus is talking about. There are people in your world, at your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, who are under the control of the devil. And I'm not blowing smoke when I say that. I'm familiar with having people in my family, people close to me who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You need to get off your glutamus maximus. You need to get onto your knees. You you need to begin to pray and ask God to use you to take the words of Jesus seriously, to go out and rescue those people who are otherwise going to go into an eternity, permanently forever separated from God. You might be God's only means of reaching the people who are lost and held captive by the devil for the glory of God. That's why God has put you in your workplace. That's why God has put you in your neighborhood. That's why God has put you where you are right now. He's put you among heathen. He's put you among the lost so that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus and show people that they don't have to be eternally separated from God. They don't have to go on in their lives 
carrying the weight of their sin, carrying the burden of their sin, as if there's nothing that can be done about it. This is a passage of scripture that should stir us into action and get us off our butts. The reality is that we are at war. We're fighting the devil. It is a fight for souls. And if you are really listening to Jesus, if you are really absorbing the teachings of Jesus, you will get it, you will understand, you will align your life with what he's saying, you will wake up and you will say, oh my goodness, I've been living as a civilian instead of a soldier. I've been living a life that has no real practical alignment with a wartime mentality. And now you're hearing, and God is stirring. Yes, there are some who will hear merely with their ears, and because they're held captive by the devil, and oftentimes because nobody takes an interest in them and gets themselves involved in their lives to be the hands and feet of Jesus, they go into an eternity separate from him. What would happen if you bought into a soldier mentality instead of a civilian mentality? What would happen in your life if you began to understand that people are held captive by the devil until and unless you personally get involved and get responsible to go and rescue them and share the good news? You know, Jesus also talks here another type of a person and another type of a situation. Verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. You know, there's difficulty coming in your life. There's difficulty and hardship coming in your life. It might even be there right now. It is designed to get you to call out to God if you're listening, if you're paying attention, if you will absorb the teaching of Jesus, the words of Jesus, You'll handle your difficulties in a fundamentally different way. You know, I wondered how I would ever handle a real serious blow in my life. How would I respond in regard to following through with Jesus if I was tested, if I was tempted, if I was hit at the very core of who I was and then on January 9th of 2009 when I was diagnosed with cancer? I no longer had to wonder. Many of us are facing difficulties and hardships in our life right now. Many of us are going to be facing difficulties and hardships in our lives. Many of us have faced difficulties and hardships in our lives in the past, and we did not handle them to the degree to which God would be glorified. We didn't handle them to the degree to which we should have, we could have, and you won't handle them to the degree to which you can and will unless you understand the purpose of difficulties. Look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, beginning in verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In this you greatly rejoice. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at that the tested genuineness of your faith, the difficulties and the hardships in your life come to test whether or not you are really listening to Jesus, whether or not you really belong to him. No, God's purpose in your life is not to help you avoid difficulty and hardship. God's purpose is to manifest his glory through you regardless of what the difficulty and the hardship is. And so thank you, Lord, for the testing that has come. Thank you, Lord, for the hardship. Thank you for the drama in my life because that drama is the very thing that God is using to develop your character and to show you and show the world that your faith is genuine. You're not handling the difficulties and the hardships that come your way like just a mere mortal. You're handling them as somebody whose eternal destiny is sealed, somebody whose relationship with God has been fundamentally transformed. Not by what you've done, but by what Jesus has done and your personal faith in him. But you know, some people don't know how to handle trial. And so when it comes, they think there's no place. This does not compute. God's supposed to bless me all the time. The purpose of my life in God is to have a life of comfort and convenience. And so if you believe in the prosperity gospel, if you believe that there is no place for difficulty, there is no hardship to be coming into your life if you negate 1 Peter chapter 1, for example, then when difficulties and hardship come into your life, they don't make any sense. And so what do you do? You drop back and you punt. By the way, speaking of football, I heard of a particular place out in Michigan, a school out in Michigan that just got their butts kicked royally by Penn State. Is that true? You know, many people drop back and punt in their lives because the difficulties, from their perspective, have no place in the plan and purpose of God. But if you're really absorbing the teaching of Jesus, really listening to the teachings of Jesus, really applying the teachings of Jesus, you'll understand that the difficulties and the hardship have their purpose. Otherwise, you will drop back and punt. That's the second type of a person. They have no root. And if you have no root in Jesus, you will bear no fruit for Jesus. If you have no root in Jesus, if you're not listening to Jesus, if you're not applying his word, you'll bear no fruit for Jesus. Stop looking at the difficulties and hardships in your life as something to be avoided and start looking at them as the very thing that God has placed in your life to show you that your faith is authentic or maybe not authentic. Maybe the difficulty and hardship that's coming into your life is there to wake you up, to shake you, and to get you to give your life to Jesus the way you thought you did, but you never really did in the first place. Verse 14. As for what fell among the thorns... They are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares 
and riches and pleasures. Look at the words that are used there. The cares, the riches, the pleasures, the distractions. Be careful. You're not distracted. Be careful you don't confuse your wants with your needs. There's a difference between what you want and what you need. I've learned that often they're at war with each other. I might want a bigger house. I might want granite countertops. I want them. My wife doesn't. I might want a convertible sports car and so reveal my midlife crisis. But do I need those things to glorify God? Do I really need those things? See, we live in a country that has been plentiful up to this point. I believe that God is shaking the very blessings that God has given us because we've forgotten the God who's given us those blessings. But the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life choke off fruitfulness. Again, no fruit. You see, in your life, you've got to have a filter. You need a filter in your life. Everything in your life needs to go through this filter, and the filter is the glory of God. You have to settle the issue. You have to settle the issue. You have to do that individually. You need to do it as a couple. This is one of the reasons why couples struggle and have difficulty, because they haven't sat down and had a family meeting. Listen, you exist as a couple for the glory of God. The problem is you haven't settled the issue as a couple, and therefore you have strife, you have difficulty, you had hardship as a family. There has to be a filter, or you call it a grid if you want to, a filter through which everything in your life flows. Listen, I just changed on my Jetta 2002 TDI, turbo diesel injection. Some of you are happy with that. Some of you are envious of me because I get 44 miles to the gallon. I just changed the fuel filter. And after I did, my car ran like a brand new car. I thought my car was shaking because it was a diesel. No, it was because the filter was all caught up. It was all gooked up. It hadn't been changed. I bought the car used. I didn't know that the fuel filter needed to be changed. And I changed it and the car ran wonderfully well. It performs flawlessly now. Volkswagen will be proud of me. There is a filter that's supposed to take out all the gunk, all of the junk out of the diesel fuel. And in your life too, you need a filter that is to take you away from the cares of the world. An attraction toward an enamoration with riches, pleasures, the things that you want but you don't really need. And until you settle that issue, and until you continually revisit it, until you have that filter, that net that catches everything contrary to the glory of God, until you do that, you're not going to bear much fruit. You won't. I'm not saying it. Jesus is saying it. 
the cares of the world, an enamoration with riches, a preoccupation with the pleasures of life will choke off your fruitfulness for Jesus. But you know why that happens? Because you allowed yourself to get distracted. And the reason why you allowed yourself to get distracted is because you stopped listening to Jesus. Only by listening to Jesus are the worries and the cares and the distractions and the pleasures of this world put into their proper place, filtered out, taken care of. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Listen, let me tell you something that's not rocket science, but you need to hear it again. If you are not absorbing the teachings of Jesus, if you are not vigilant and diligent in sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to the teachings of Jesus as given in the word of God, the Bible, you will be distracted. You're going to be distracted. Many of us are distracted already right now. And there is no other reason for the distraction, no other reason for the distraction other than this one reason. You stopped listening to Jesus. I'm not talking about the biological, physiological phenomenon of merely hearing the words of Jesus or reading the words of Jesus that are in the Bible. I'm talking about letting those words go deep into your gray matter of your, your mind, your brain, deep into the recesses of your heart so that you begin to think differently about people, you begin to think differently about God, you begin to think differently about your life here on this side of eternity, living outside of Eden. Everything in your life will change if and only if you will listen to Jesus in such a way that you will absorb. You will absorb. You absorbing the teachings of Jesus? You have to make a distinction between your wants and your needs. If you're listening to Jesus, you will be less prone to being distracted by the things that really don't matter. For many of us, what is needed most, more than anything else in our lives, is to return to the way we used to be when we first knew Christ as our Savior or a time in our past before when we were really listening to Jesus, absorbing, hanging on his every word. Don't you remember when you used to hang on the every word of Jesus? That's when you were growing. That's when you were bearing fruit. Jesus says it. A child can understand it. You're listening determines your following. Your following determines your crop. Can it be said of you that you're bearing a hundredfold or that you're coming up short? Verse 15, as for that in good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. You'd say, wait a second. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitfully wicked. If the heart's wicked, then how is it possible to hold the word, to hold it in an honest and good heart? Listen, nobody's heart is good in relationship to God. We all have hearts. All of us fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. But now that the level 
playing field is here. Now that we're part of this level playing field where none of us is better than the other, there are some of us who are characterized as hanging on the words of Jesus, hungry for the teachings of Jesus, listening to the words of Jesus, taking them and applying them to our heart taking them and applying them to our lives. And those are the people. You are the people and only the people who are producing a hundredfold in your life. There's fruit in your life in proportion to your listening and absorbing the teaching of Jesus. And Jesus says it multiple times here. It's not just about hearing in a physiological and a biological way. It's about hearing in such a way that you are taking the teachings of Jesus and getting them deep down into who you are. Deep down into who you are. Look what Jesus says in verse 18. Take care then how you hear. It's not just that you hear. Many people heard Jesus. Few people went on to be movers and shakers for Jesus. And the same is true today. Only those who are really listening to Jesus, only those who are continuing to hang on his every word, only those who are absorbing the words of Jesus, who are really hearing, taking it to heart, taking it to mind, putting it into action, are those who are really followers of Jesus. And if you are really a follower of Jesus, if you're really a follower of Jesus, you will produce fruit. That's the way it works. You listen in such a way that your life is aligned with the teachings of Jesus. Everything else is secondary. Otherwise, we're idolaters. Everything else is secondary. We listen to Jesus. We align our lives. We make changes. We make adjustments in our lives, in our relationships, in the way we use our money, in how we spend our time, in the cares that we focus our attention on, in the things that we want versus the things that we need. And we begin to live all of our life, not some of it, for the glory of God. And as we do that, as we do that, we move from being deceived to being a disciple. And that's God's plan and purpose in your life, that you and I would continually move again and again and again from being deceived by anything and everything, whether it's the devil or a difficulty, or a distraction. We would move from being any of those things to now becoming a disciple. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com or download the free Courage Matters app. Interested in requesting Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event? Click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking. Mm -hmm.